Gentlemen. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey now. What's going on? Hey now. <laughs> oh, not much. You know, just taking time yeah. out of my busy work day, recording an awesome it podcast. Is. We're doing this on mm-hmm. a, we just, we just dropped 154 yesterday. It feels like yesterday, yes. It, right. it was yesterday. We did drop technically it yesterday. Yeah. Technically, yeah. it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying to get some uh, episodes recorded before our friend Greg mm. hits Splitsville for the uh, the continent. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're trying to get stuff in. Greg, when are you when are you Appreciate leaving? It. When are you rolling out? I leave uh, today. Today's Friday, right? Yeah. Today's Thursday. Uh, Greg. <laughs> oh, is it? Wait, today's Friday oh, yes, the twenty. Yes, yes, we're yes, recording right, right, on yes, Friday, Friday the twenty second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm even more confused than before. Yeah. Um, You're leaving on Sunday, Greg. Yes, that's you think that's correct. I leave on Sunday. Making our Monday time pretty tri- pretty tricky. Actually, I think I will be landing in Cyprus like on Monday afternoon. Mm. You, you see what I'm saying? It's kind yep. of like because of the uh, yep. So literally, I would like be the, the, I, I won't be existing at like Monday. <laughs> Yeah, at our normal Monday time. And Greg anyway. will be out of pocket for all this <laughs> yes, yeah. interest. So um, it's going to be an interesting trip, but I'm glad we're getting this in now because, yeah, that would, it would be uh, logistically, you know, nearly impossible to get it in this week otherwise. So appreciate yeah, your right. flexibility, boys. Heck yeah. Well, we got some excellent yeah. evergreen content for you on this, uh, on this Thursday that hopefully will not change between... <laughs> Indeed, in the, in the interview. Indeed, week. these aren't too. These aren't too uh, uh, topical. Not no breaking news. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I say we got to get things rolling. If that's cool with you boys. It's a midday recording, man. We're we're all business. Let's just move all, on. Let's do all it. All business. All business. <laughs> yes, that's right. You're tuned in. Uh, you should check it out in all business casual mode on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Happy Thursday to those of you who are listening to this. Uh, <laughs> great to be here with you. My name's Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And like I said, we got uh, a bunch of uh, content that will be interesting for you to hear while <laughs> us talk about. Um, I'm going to be talking about a new album, a new project from one of my favorite bands that has been released and is continuing to be released over the mm-hmm. intervening weeks um and i'm also going to be talking about uh, our favorite company Ticketmaster. Ooh, yeah. fun mm. yeah good time close second fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> behind um, spotify <laughs> <laughs> nick's got a new bit i do what yeah. nick coming yeah, in baby. hot with a bit I, it's right. weird i will yeah i think so we'll see and oh, uh greg is going to be talking yeah. about his recent misadventures on the road mm. in philadelphia mm. yeah Definitely. There's a, there's a lot to be said about uh, a particular gig that I that I played that was pretty unique. Coming off the heels of another one that was pretty unique, that Fourth of July one with the Resilient. We had one more after that. I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys more a little bit uh, cool. more about it in a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. 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 Jay, what are we doing, All man? Right. Well, I'd like to kick things off with some music for ah, change. Ah, that sounds right. More new music from from Jay Rosman. This is yeah. This is great. Summertime Jay. This is new yeah, tunes. Maybe. This is great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Staying current. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the Tedeschi Trucks Band. Um, okay. One of my favorites. They have started releasing a slate of four albums that are being packaged as a concept piece. Mm. Uh, and they're releasing them kind of um, over a series of four months. They've released the first two. Um, the, the whole package, the project is called I Am The Moon. And I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about it. 
um, and what they're going for. I think it's a pretty interesting concept. But cool. uh, this first track I want to play is called Hold That Line. It's the last track off of episode two, Ascension. Mm, okay. stuff i i had a really hard time trying to pick which song i wanted to to use for this because they're really kind of going in a bunch of different directions it's really beautiful stuff you guys got to check this stuff out totally Mm -hmm. just gonna want to touch on the story behind what they did here all these recordings uh they started in may of 2020 when the band was in lockdown Mm -hmm. and um derek trucks and susan tedeschi have a uh kind of like a home studio and they basically invited the band in and had like a self-quarantine thing within the band. Right. And they just recorded a crap ton of music. Uh, You know, I think they said they had something like 140 tracks that were releasable um, over the two years that they were doing this. And um, some of them came from this idea that that one of the singers in the band, Mike Madison, um, had. Now, the, the... you guys are familiar with the album Layla and Other Assorted Love Songs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? From Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. That particular album has a lot of resonance with uh, the Tedeschi Trucks Band and Derek Trucks in particular. He was named after Derek and the Dominoes. Oh, really? Yeah. And they've done um, like a live recording of Layla and Other Assorted Love mm-hmm. Songs. Um, he's played with Eric Clapton a bunch of times, supporting that, that type of music, loves the album. But the singer Mike Madison sent an email to the band kind of challenging them to actually go and read the original poem that Layla and other sorted love songs was based off of kind of generally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called uh, Layla and Majnun. Uh It was written in the 12th century by this Persian poet, Nizami Gavanji. His idea was, you know, read this poem. Layla and other sorted love songs is one way of interpreting that poem. It's this guy who is pining for this woman that he can't get. Okay. Right? Yep. And his challenge to the band was, 
what if we uh, looked at this poem in a different light, what Layla herself was going through? What if we reinterpreted this poem through Layla's perspective? As the one that's being pined for. <laughs> right, right. So that's, that was kind of the, the basis for this. And like I said, they had just had so much music that they decided instead of releasing it all as like one big quadruple album, they would release it in kind of 30-minute, 35-minute episodes that they're spacing out over uh, four months. So it's kind of a, an, an interesting take. Super um, cool. Yeah, and why they picked the 30 to 36-minute length, I saw this interview with Rick Beato and um, Derek Trucks talking about, uh, you know, you look back at all those albums that you love from the 60s and 70s, they're really not much more than 30 to 36 minutes long mm-hmm. you know, due to the physical limitations of vinyl. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and people's attention spans is pretty shot nowadays anyway, so mm-hmm. why not go, instead of releasing all of this in one big clump and having some of the nicer songs kind of fall through the through the cracks. Yeah. Let's do this in a different way, kind of 30-minute 30, 30 blocks, which I think is a clever idea. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. So the entire four-album arc, is, a, is, is that interpretation of what Layla was experiencing? Right. Right. Got it. That's the idea. Very cool. Well, I, I, it reminds me of a, a great story I heard this week from a friend of mine, actually someone who's been working closely with The Resilient, I may have mentioned on the show, but he was involved with Roger deeply. And basically at one one day, uh, he told me this earlier this week, he's like, yeah, so Roger called me up one day, said, hey, I, you want to go see the almonds with me tonight at the Beacon? You know? <laughs> and because uh, apparently Pink Floyd was uh, used to open for the Almond Brothers. Oh, wow. Back in the day. Really? Yeah, like on some of the first... The first U.S. tours that Pink Floyd did, they were supporting Almond Brothers. Anyway, wow. uh, so he's like, "Oh, let's let's go let's go to the Beacon and see the Almonds," and, and he's like, "So we're heading to the Beacon." And Roger's like, "We're gonna pick up a friend first. Eric Clapton <laughs> gets in the car. He goes to see he goes to see the the show with Eric and Roger, and Eric's standing next to him, and he's watch, and they're watching, and Derek Derek's playing. And I had just said like, I think Derek Trucks might be like the best guitarist alive." And and, uh, and he's like, that's exactly what Eric Clapton told me. <laughs> Basically, like, yeah. like Eric yeah. was like, I think he might be the best alive. Wow. You know, like uh, while they were watching him at the Beacon. Yeah, anyway. that is quite so no argument from the guitar god. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So there you go. So that's something to keep keep your eye on. I am the mood. Like I said, I am the moon. Uh, the first two episodes are already out. The next one drops uh, July 29th. So, Beautiful. Yeah. And we would cool we would be remiss not to mention Dwayne. On, on Derek and the Dominoes. We only mentioned Eric. That's true. That was the other link, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Dwayne Allman being on that record is like... Uh, Derek is kind of like the second coming of Dwayne Allman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, yeah. You know. Isn't, he's yeah. a nephew, right? Or is that... Am I getting this that, wrong? He's not directly linked, but he's a, he's a nephew of the drummer, uh, Butch Trucks. That's right. Butch that's Trucks, right. Yeah. 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 And so. he started playing with the Almonds, you know, when he was like... 11 or 12 sitting in with them yeah and, and that's yeah, a full fledged yeah, yeah. member and when he was like 19 yeah that's also right. that the, the same cat who told me that story about eric and and roger he the reason why it came up is because he used to see derek in florida when he was a kid yeah. when derek was a kid wow so yeah his yeah. whole arc is just amazing man it's uh from child prodigy to grown-ass man prodigy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly so 
Um, yeah, I, I came across this article uh, from this site called App um, talking about the headline was Bruce Springsteen fans experience sticker shock over 2023 U.S. tour tickets cost. And, uh, you know, I mean, Bruce lately has never been a particularly cheap artist to go see. Right. But at the same time, he had been trying recently uh, to keep ticket prices in line. Now, the resale market for Springsteen tickets is its just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but if you're able, like, the one time I got in the lottery and it was able to get, you know, tickets, it was like 120 bucks for general admission up front. Okay. So if you were lucky enough to get in that lottery, you know, it wasn't pocketbook destroying. Right. Um, still, still not cheap, but... Not but cheap, not but cheap, but, yeah. you know, yeah. So what has happened on this recent tour, which the tickets for the U.S. tour have just been released a, a little while ago, is that Ticketmaster has been rolling out this new dynamic pricing system. Oh, boy. Which is oh. <laughs> meant to adjust the price of tickets in real time based on demand. Ah. So the base price for U.S. shows like was you, anywhere... Like Uber. Exactly right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, dynamic exactly. pricing, yep. Yeah. So the base price for a show uh, was $60 to $399. Okay. Depending on where you want to go. But the price of some floor seats due to this Ticketmaster dynamic pricing system shot up to more than $4,000. Holy <laughs> Do you do we do we know does that is mm, Okay. Does the does Bruce get a cut of that? I mean, is that that's all Bruce, right? He gets the same probably percentage of ticket sales that I have no idea. The art the article doesn't go into the the details of that. I would really hope and I would expect that you know the artist would negotiate something with Ticketmaster that you know their share is fixed, a fixed percentage, a percentage based on the final yeah. ticket ticket price. Yeah, because otherwise that would be incredibly. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I mean, as soon as I said it, it has to have like artist support because otherwise, the yeah, that would just be that would be mayhem if if Ticketmaster was pocketing that that difference. Um, yeah. So anyway, apparently, sorry. the same thing has kind of happened with Paul McCartney and Harry Styles. Ticketmaster has tried this dynamic pricing system, and the same type of thing has happened. Now, I kind of go back and forth on this because I've heard some good arguments, arguments that I don't like, but they are convincing arguments that. The market should dictate the price of these tickets, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way that you're going to eliminate scalpers. And that's what, on the face of it, Ticketmaster's trying to do here, right? So they're trying to make a system that, depending on how many people want it, that the price is going to, to rise to, to, to meet the demand, you know, supply-demand thing. Mm -hmm. However, that's never been the way that tickets have ever been sold. And it just, there's this mental block that we all have of paying more than like a hundred bucks even for a show that for a show that you really want to go see mm -hmm. so i want to get you guys thoughts on this you know how do you if the idea is to to beat the scalpers to their own game is that the goal can we say that is the goal do you I agree like with that, that as a goal? goal okay yeah you would like that yeah. to be the goal yeah all right uh, maybe tickets have we talked about this back when we were talking about rage against the machine um going back on tour yeah. mm -hmm. you know maybe tickets have just been undervalued from the get-go. I don't know about that. But that yeah, what do, you, what do you think, Greg? What do you think about all this? Well, I was just going to, I mean, I just don't want to, a, a single ticket for one event, it shouldn't be worth $4,000, like just, just for entry to the. But again, just know. to play a devil's advocate, if you're, if you have real people willing to pay that amount. Yeah. 
maybe it is worth that much. And I, that's true. Like it, it is, it is worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Um, right. So, and if, but, if the consequence is that you get a bot, that somebody sets up a bot so they can buy, you know, eight tickets once a day, and then turn around and resell them and pocket the difference, and none of that uh, money goes to the artist. Right. And in this case, the demand, the the dynamic pricing. As long as it does, that, that's that's kind of the reason that I asked that. Is because like you know what, if this goes to the artist, and it helps, even if they even if the some of those tickets end up being rescalped, or scalped, um, the majority of the of the extra fees paid or the extra money paid for these these tickets are going to go to the to the artist's pocket. So isn't that doesn't that kind of solve that salute that that issue? Yeah, it's just a hard thing to wrap your head around now. These are granted like extreme cases. These are some of the most popular artists in the world that we're yeah. talking about. Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, Harold, Harry Styles, people like that. If a similar situation could be implemented for less, you know, popular artists, and maybe there's a cap okay, on the well, total the total Does it dynamically price. go down two or is it like base <laughs> plus? I don't know. I don't know. I doubt that it probably goes below a certain amount. Um, but it could, in theory. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this because I certainly would never pay four thousand dollars for to go see Bruce. But I want to see the man get paid what he's worth, and I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. What do you think, Nick? I, I mean, I, I think I I'd be curious about what happens at the low end because to me, it's also there's also a um, oh, if I could go see a show for like fifteen bucks <laughs> because oh, they've because, got tickets available, sure, and like yeah. and the demand's just not there. That actually might be kind of neat on the flip side of it for like the, the music consumer, mm -hmm. especially like your college student who doesn't really have, you know, 50 bucks, let alone 4,000. So I think the model's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know how much, especially at that lower end, I don't know how much that's going to help with, with scalping. But if the bottom line is that the demand is there and Bruce isn't going to add, you know, three times the amount of shows that he's going to perform in order to account for that demand... Mm. This does seem like the way that you make sure that the value goes back to the artist and not, you know, not quote unquote fair pricing that essentially gets scooped up by by somebody that's sitting on some cash to buy these tickets so that they can resell them and then pocket the difference themselves, whether that be through like a StubHub or, or eBay or, or just straight up scalping. Yeah. Um, so from the, I guess, closing the loop on where, how that money gets back to the artist, it feels like it's... It feels like the right way to do it. The bottom line is, what do you, uh, you? Otherwise, it is a lottery, and then and then you maybe just happen to be able to get to see your your, your favorite artist, but shell out three hundred bucks, you know, through some lottery system. But then, if but I mean, even then, if 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 you if you get into the lottery system, you buy the ticket, and then you can turn around and resell that for for two grand. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah. at, at least this way, it's it's <clears throat> it's the value is getting passed back to the artist. Yeah, we also know that just the person who's willing to pay the four thousand dollars isn't even necessarily like the biggest fan. It's just the person that's the who. Part has... that, that's the part that grates on me the most is because, you know, in theory all this is great, but you're kind of just turning these big concert events into places where only like elite people yeah. can go to see them, and it's kind of like a place to go to be seen more than to see the artist. Yeah. I hate right. that. But if it but if it means that the artist has <clears> more. Um, expendable income to do maybe more creative things for for their for their fans directly then i don't i don't know i mean if you can make that much more off of one show 
you know, and then do a couple, sh maybe free shows where the first 400 people in get to, and then, then you get to have like kids camping out to see their yeah. favorite artist. Maybe, uh, yeah. Which, you know, which would be something that would be probably the elites won't do. <laughs> um, then, uh, I don't know, it feels like, it feels like the economics of it does make sense. And if the artist is getting that much more themselves, then then they can possibly do things for their for their loyal base. But yeah. there's no way to measure, aside from like how much time are you willing to spend waiting for these tickets. <laughs> to me, that's like that would be the only way that you could measure how much somebody is loyal to this particular artist. Is <laughs> they have to have so many so many minutes logged on Spotify you're listening it's to that sure. artist? Mm -hmm. <laughs> something, something I mean, yeah. What's the metric for like the most loyal fan? And there could be somebody who's doesn't even listen to much music, but man, they get so much. Yeah. joy out of this one artist yeah. so they'll pay yeah, five thousand bucks to see him and who's to say that that person doesn't get as much enjoyment as the most loyal fan who's going to be pissed sorry. off because they didn't sorry. play these yeah. three songs from nebraska jay sorry go ahead <laughs> no 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 that's 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 where i'm at i don't have an answer but i, I think it's uh it's concerning and troubling and something we want to keep an eye on because there's just going to be big shows and a lot of demand for those shows and there's got to yeah. be it got to be there's got to be a good system out there and this is not it <laughs> what no, would one, what would what would the balance what's missing from the balance for those fans that can't afford these that that they that they somehow have an inherent right to see the artist live i know no, but i mean it's just, it's just it seems like $4000 is you know they got to cap yeah. it at some point you know? No, the the whole like loyalty, uh, the tickets should only go to loyal fans. I don't think that's feasible. I mean, and no. some artists do that, you know, by doing pre sales, mm -hmm. you know, for people who fan are part of fan clubs or fan whatever. Clubs, like yeah. that. Um, for me, it would, you know, a solution would be more like doing it on a lottery system, and then, you know, I've heard some interesting ideas about. We might have talked about this about purchasing or releasing them as M NFTs so that the sale can be tracked of those tickets you know to to potentially reduce the resale possibilities to make sure that they're going to real people and not just i don't know i don't know okay i think the lottery is the only way that you limit people and give give everyone a fair shake at the tickets how to combat the resale issue is a different is a different ball of wax but what you're essentially saying is n no one should pay that much money for a ticket and can you I, ever stop I, somebody no, who has would, money from using their money to get to do the thing they want to do? Well, yeah, absolutely. No, I think maybe it's just different tiers of tickets, you know? Okay. Yeah. You know, your general admission tickets, <clears throat> which has always been the way that Bruce, Bruce shows in particular, the general admission tickets are cheap. They're a lottery mm -hmm. system and you get there and then you're in another lottery to determine who gets in the building first. Mm -hmm. which is all very cool, you know, and everyone's like down with that system. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's got to be, you know, if you want to sell platinum tickets that are really good seats, you know, you can do that too and make them, the sky's the limit for the price for those. The, the other problem is that it seemed like it was jumping around, you know, in the same way that Uber does as mm -hmm. the bars get out, you know, it's like, oh, you wait, like, you know, you go, you wait a minute, you try it again. It's all suddenly it's gone up a, a bunch. You do it again, suddenly it's gone down a bunch. But right. an Uber ride is not going to cost you four grand. Not yet. I think. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> um, anyway. Well, cool. Uh, we're not going to figure it out today, but I uh, just no. wanted to bring it up. It's kind of interesting. I want to get your guys' yeah. thoughts. Appreciate yeah, it, yeah. guys. No, that's very cool. That's very cool. Thanks, Jay. Nick right. Klein. What's up, hey. buddy? Hey. All righty. Um, so I got, I got a bit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I got a new bit. Um, 
I want to call this. This is so this 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 bit uh, is called "Show Must Go On," and I and I and I grabbed a I grabbed All a right. clip that we could use as a theme song. Can we go ahead and play that? Love it. Show must go on. Excellent. Nice. That was uh, well Elton John performing uh, for a Freddie Mercury tribute concert with the with the rest of Queen. Uh, I oh, think it yeah. was late '90s. I picked mm -hmm. that though because the idea for this is that I want to talk about bands that were so inspired by their founder's vision that after their founder passed, they continued on playing as that as that same band. Oh, okay. basically with the same vision in, in, in mind. They were just so, they bought in so much that they just, they kept it going. So the show, the show must go on. And oh. the thing that made me think about all of this stuff actually is that I saw, and I wanna, I wanna get a song in here as well. I saw that uh, Sun Ra Orchestra mm -hmm. has, just, has just released, uh, or is coming out with a new album called Living Sky. And when I was reading through, cause I thought, oh wow, I didn't know these guys were still coming together sure. to do stuff. It actually said that this is following their their 2021 Grammy nominated LP Swirling. So it's like, oh, these guys are these guys are active. This isn't just like, uh, hey, let's get back together and do a, and wow. do like an album to Sunra. They they've been continuing to play since passed a couple decades ago. He, right? he passed seven months before Frank Zappa, May of 1993. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So all I really knew about Sunra was that he was this out there guy, right? Specifically that he had. Somewhere in the 1930s or the 1940s, he had a vision that he traveled to Saturn, and and then when he mm -hmm. and then he had that vision, and then he quit college, and then went on to make music about outer space. Yeah. And I know all of this because our college professor, jazz co jazz professor Lafayette. Lafayette Gilchrist, would frequently talk about Sun Ra, especially if you were having trouble feeling the music. Yes. He would say, "You need to get out of your own head." Go listen to Sun Ra, um, mm -hmm. and it kind of was like a Sun Ra was always he always cited him as a personal hero of his. So, mm -hmm. so I saw this group Sun Ra Orchestra is just doing another album, and Sun Ra died like I said almost thirty years ago, and I just realized how much I actually didn't know about this guy, uh, and I'd like to talk about that. But why don't we give a listen to let's listen to a track from this album that's about to come out. This is Sun Ra Ar Orchestra, uh, and this song is called Somebody Else's Idea. Nice. Thank you. 
nice. A little bit of vocals in there, which is kind of a, a Sunrod uh, uh, feature. A lot, yeah. Oftentimes have vocals in there. Um, so Sunrod Ar Orchestra has been performing for the past 30, 30 years under the leadership of, of Marshall Allen, who was somebody that had played with Sun Ra from back in the 50s. First, I wanted to ask, have you guys, have you guys listened to much Sun Ra? Because I had not, and I, I fully will admit that. Here, here and there, but I've never really done a deep dive on them at all. I was definitely exposed to Sun Ra, particularly when I was in the funk arc, which is actually a play on orchestra. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. And uh, yeah, our, our leader, Will, was a huge Sun Ra fan. So I got exposed to it then, and then actually my brother Austin, he played me a record once when we were uh, on a drive. It's called Languidity, I believe. Okay. And uh, that one really, really hit me in a way that I, where I kind of realized, oh, there's like this kind of, there's this void in my musical uh, landscape. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this fits right in here, you know? It's like, kind of like before George Clinton yeah mm, mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah he was, a, he was an more, early yeah yeah not no it's not funk obviously but no but but he was he was like a pioneer of afro f uh, futurism right, which yes. i think clinton definitely picked up and continued on right 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 yeah so i think i think, yeah. I think that hear, hearing it with that because people would be like oh sunra is like jazz and i'm like and i would listen to it and be like this isn't really the you know which obviously is a dumb word to use to classify music but at the same time <laughs> i figured like oh i was trying to figure out well, how does this fit into the context of jazz that i know yeah sure. jazz history and it sort of didn't fit it was like a square peg in a round hole i was like yeah. i don't know why the people bring, keep bringing this up yeah as he, part of he, the jazz lexicon when really it's like kind of some it's uh, it's its own thing it's like zappa ish yeah George clinton ish you know exists on the periphery and provided a lot of influence for the artists that we do know yeah, um, and it's a lot it, of freedom, seems... you know, a lot of fresh ideas. And like you said, yeah, like once you start to kind of make like the futurism your theme, you can kind of go in a lot of different places because no, who's to say? Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to tap into because to me, Sun Ra was always this, the best way I could put it is he was out there. You know, I think an unfriendly way to put it is like he was a little bit kooky. Um, mm -hmm, sure. But so I kind of wanted to dig in and figure out like what actually, what was the story behind this? And he's, so Sun Ra was born Herman Poole Blunt uh, in 1914 in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. Um, and the guy was kind of a, he was, he was kind of like a musical prodigy. He just, he started picking up the piano uh, wherever he could find it and would go as like a teenager, go see orchestras and then come home and transcribe all the song, uh -huh. all the parts of the songs mm -hmm. that he heard. And, but he's also growing up in the 19, in the teens and 1920s in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, mm. as, as an African-American. And so this incredibly uh, vibrant, creative mind uh, kind of being faced with, with the realities of what it's like to live on the ground, uh, he, he, there was a lot of kind of like lashing out, I think, early on. Um, he, he actually served some prison time because he was a conscientious objector uh, mm. in, in World War II and refused to even do like the civilian service stuff. But basically the, he was, so he had this moment in college and he, he cites it as in the 1930s one other thing about Sun Ra is that he had ideas that didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily tied to when, when things actually happened or whether they actually happened. He would just kind of, he gave very kooky answers and responses to, to interviews. Oftentimes the intent was to just make the person think about why they were asking the question that they're asking in the first place. <laughs> um, and or to maybe mess with their head a little bit, which does feel a little bit like Frank Zappa in, in, in some regard. Um, 
so he had this this vision in his in the 1930s where he his whole body changed into something he said i could see myself through it uh, i could see my i could see through myself and i went up i wasn't in human form and i landed on a planet that i identified as saturn they teleported me and i was down on a stage with them and they wanted to talk to me and they each and then he describes these like alien creatures and basically it was this this vision of this planet that all africans could go to that basically would become like a, a planet for for this this people that that just doesn't have the opportunity to to have the self-agency that mm -hmm. that others do um and he honestly never deviated from this vision um like he had <laughs> moments through his life of disillusionment with different groups that he he would try to work with but he kept this vision of like transcending this planet uh it's a very spiritual concept really uh yeah. and, and and he saw music as the as the way to transcend kind of uh, the planet that we're on and s see everything from above and just see how interconnected everything is. And then this whole idea of kind of, you know, getting Africans uh, to their own planet so that they could just thrive and live in, in their own in their own space. So um, cool. It, 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 it really is cool. And it, I think the interesting thing is that one of his earliest fans was Thelonious Monk, um, who mm -hmm. just kind of got him. And apparently also Dizzy Gillespie was like, Sonny, you got you got it, man. Like, I, you, you do what you just keep doing what you're doing. And he had he had a New York phase and a Philadelphia phase and a Chicago phase where he would just upend right. the whole orchestra. They would always live together in the same place so that he could call spontaneous jam uh, practice sessions and and kind of like give them lectures and just and talk to them. And the guy was the guy was something else. And it was a it's been really cool to listen to him. I do have got one other clip that that goes that goes further back closer I think to the time that he was kind of pulling together these ideas called I, I am strange, I am connected. I am strange. My mind is tinted with the colors of madness. They fight in silent fury in the effort to possess each other. I am strange. I have approached a degree of love that is so unwise in one world that it is wisdom in another. I am strange. I no longer have respect for hate, for I am stronger than hate. I'm contemptuous of both those who hate and those who destroy. I am not a part of the world which hates and the world which destroys. I want a better world, and not only do I want a better world, I seek to live a better life, that I might have the right to be a part of a better world. If I hate and destroy, I have no right to speak of love. Love is greater than hate, and I have chosen love above all else in the world. I am strange. I know a secret truth. And there it is. I mean, that could that could have been like a, if it wasn't couched in this "I am strange" message, like that's there's a lot of like overlap to you know civil rights leaders of the time, um, or or later, much later in the '60s. Oh yeah. Um, of that, yeah. you know, just it's it's all there. It's just this brilliant creative mind trying to make sense of a system that treats him differently because you know because he's black. That's awesome, uh, man. That's yeah. awesome. I never heard that track before. That's really cool. Yeah. Yep. So cool. that's uh, that's what I that's what I pulled together on Sun Ra, and that and the and the the guys the followed his leadership after his death and kept the it, kept the party rolling. They did the um, yeah, and it wasn't he actually before he passed um, before he kind of went into self imposed retirement in the nineties because he had had uh, early nineties he had a stroke. He basically handed the torch over and just said, "You got to keep you got to keep this going." Um, nice. And uh, I can't remember who it was that took the reins 
but that person died two years later, and then, and then ever since it's been Marshall Allen that's, that's kept it kept it moving. So really cool, really cool, uh, really cool man, really cool group, and uh, yeah, still relevant. Awesome, man. Thank you. Absolutely, so very cool. That's the show must go on, huh? Show must go on. I think so. I think so. I don't know. I don't know how much to talk about the group going on, or how much to talk about the founder and why the group wanted to go on. So, in this case, we're talking about the founder. Work it out. You guys can do it every one Yeah. Beautiful new bit by Mr. Nick Klein. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. Thank you. Greg Lowe, what's going yeah. on in your world? <laughs> well, I'm in Portland now for my sister's wedding and, you know, just lots of hopping around, lots of crazy scheduling going on. But uh, out here, um, I was in L.A. before this. And then before that, I was in Philadelphia. And um, in Philadelphia, I actually played a gig with The Resilient. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting how it came about. We were actually approached by an organization called AFSCME. It's spelled, spelled A-F-S-C-M-E. It's the American Federation of State and County Municipal Employees. Mm-hmm. And they wanted a veterans-type act to add some entertainment to their um, annual conference. Right. Okay. Where they go through the resolutions, because basically this is one of the biggest unions in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, at first, we kind of didn't know quite what to make of it. Not, you know, not to get into personal beliefs, but not at, some people are kind of skeptical about various unions uh, and sure. and their you know so um, within the band and 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 didn't necessarily want to jump in head first. However, um, one thing that was kind of interesting and just a little under the hood stuff is okay. that indecision kind of caused a stalemate inside our, our our own organization, which is always kind of frustrating for me. But it happens, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and. <laughs> We took almost so long, I thought the gig was going to slip away, and instead they came back, and they were like, oh, playing hardball, huh? And they, like, raised the offer. You know? <laughs> so, and this is, like, to play three songs. Wow. So, <laughs> like, three songs. I'm mm-hmm. like, come on, guys, three songs. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it, you know? Also, it's, um, I knew logistically it wasn't going to be that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it all came together. We decided to, to do it, and then it went from three songs. But then, you know, in true union mentality, we're on a we're on a uh, email thread, and people start jumping in like, "Will you guys do Go Your Own Way" by Fleetwood Mac? Can, <laughs> I want to hear my favorite song. You know, da, da, da. and so um, is it like CCing like thirty thousand people yeah, or something? Not like thirty thousand, but <laughs> okay. definitely more than more than <laughs> oh, was necessary. 30, yeah, and um, somebody suggested like, "Hey, can we maybe like a Bruce Springsteen song?" And I was like, "Um, maybe." And, and then I thought back to when these fellows and I, the, the Resilient, at the time it was the Music Core band, and mm-hmm. um, we actually did a, music, a concert called Music Heals in D.C., and Tom Morello was a special guest, and right. he mm-hmm. taught us the Bruce Springsteen song, The Ghost of Tom Jode, and I was like, well, we could play Ghost of Tom Jode. We haven't played that in a long time. Yeah. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Springsteen checks off Hell the boxes, yeah. kind of brings us back into, you know, and so I was like, all right, let's learn that. And so I actually, um, you know, everybody kind of picked that one back up and we performed it at the, um, at the union gig. And I have a clip, got a pretty decent Ooh, war mix of it. So nice. you right. play that. This is the resilient playing Ghost of Tom Jode at the 2022 Ask Me conference. All right. And the highway is alive tonight. 
headed, everybody knows I'm sitting down here by the campfire line Searching for the ghost of Tom Jones He's waiting for the time when the last will be first and the first will be last In a cardboard box near the underpass With a one-way ticket to the promised land With a hole in your belly and a gun in your hand Looking for a pillow of solid rock Bathing in the city's aqua dust And the highway is alive tonight Where it's headed, everybody knows I'm sitting down here by the campfire line Where the ghost of old Tom Jones Yeah, mm. baby. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, we pulled that together. I I noticed like um, each chorus, the 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 vocal, the lyrics change. First, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm waiting for the ghost of time, to, and I I actually screwed up a couple of. I, I had I didn't have the 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 most accurate gig, but the the, the spirit was there, the energy was there. Sounded great, the man. Background background vocals sounded great, man. Yeah, oh, I thanks, agree. Man. I agree. Yeah, and uh, so you got Tim, Nate, of, Dom. Who who all's up? Who, who, was it? And then Elbert? Eric, Eric, who's Nathan's brother, has been joining yeah. us on bass, and he's great. He's actually like he also is Dom's drum tech. He's really good at like setting up Dom's kind of unique drum set. Because if listeners who don't know, the Resilient comprised of severely wounded veterans. The drummer Dom is a triple amputee, so he has a mm-hmm. he has like a, an adapted drum set. Super the cool. lead vocalist Tim is a double amputee, and uh, our guitarist Nathan is a single, so you know it's a powerful band to watch. You know, I think you know yeah. as a, as a, if I pull myself out and watch them, I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, um, and so that's why we keep doing this thing. And um, I had a thought though, and I, I, basically all I'm going to talk about today is, is I mean, it's not really a tales from the concert or anything because it's it was our show, but yeah, um, I know you kind of you guys like to hear the the type of stories where. Try to bring, try to bring it all together in a way. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, when I was out in the Hamptons for the Fourth of July, I was kind of doom scrolling or whatever, you know, <laughs> on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I get to the mm-hmm. Tom Morello, and he's like, "I spent the Fourth, you know, paying homage to uh, someone who was a real fighter for the unions, you know." And I and, and I went, you know, everything just went on. I was like, "Wait a minute! In a week, we're performing this song that Tom." showed us oh, you got, yeah yeah you know i was like i should i should really make sure we get a video of it and then maybe i can send it to him and i was like but i don't have a direct contact but i know someone who does it's a uh, rogers uh visual director sean evans the same guy who worked on that ra- radiohead video game oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah you know and i'd actually been in touch with him after seeing rogers show in pittsburgh i, t- I sent him a message being like you guys are out of your minds like <laughs> you know like awesome work blah 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 and he's super nice. I try not to tap him on the shoulder too much because I know he's extremely busy and he's probably getting yelled yep. at by Roger half the day. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I did have this plan. I was like, it would be a shame, honestly, if Tom didn't know that we were out 
performing the song that he taught us for the unions. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so basically I, um, it wasn't like this big old master plan, but I was like, just make sure we get a video of it and then we'll see what happens afterwards. If it's good enough, then, you know. So sure enough, we play the gig and then we get like a, a nice video from the... Um, yeah, it looks great. From the organizers. It, it's what was being shown on the screens. Yeah. Right? The, the, the big... This is a huge convention center, even though it wasn't like, you know, 5,000 screaming fans. It was just like 5,000 <laughs> people eating their lunch and kind of like, <laughs> right. you know, casually observing <laughs> yeah. us. Um, it was somewhere in between background music and like full front the main event you know somewhere yeah. in between but so not only that but the audio was pretty good the, the, yeah. it's, sometimes board mixes can be kind of strange but I felt like oh this is great so they give us the entire gig so on, on my plane to Portland I like opened up iMovie and like chopped out Ghost of Tom Joad and like added some titles we, we had a layover and I uploaded it to YouTube and then I sent the YouTube link to to Sean and, and, and said, Hey, listen, you know, we just played this. Would love to send it, send it over to Tom. You know, if, if I know he's out, he, you guys are both on tour. Like Sean's on tour with Roger. Tom's on Tom's tour on with Reggie as machine. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I know you guys are extremely busy, but I also know that there's downtime. You <laughs> know? I'm sure you so anyway, let's just see what happens. That downtime. <laughs> let's see what happens. I, again, you know, it's, it's okay. So no word back yet. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> got. So I, I was I was a little afraid at first because Sean is very quick to get back usually. Um, oh but, yeah, but and then the, the so, no response is like oh. The no, so no response, for, but it was only for like eighteen hours. I was like starting to be like, oh well, maybe it didn't matter. You know, da 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 da. da. And then I, yesterday morning, I, I got a, uh, I got an email from Sean, and it was basically him sending to Tom Morello, just remember these guys, and then. Tom responded with a, of course I do. This is amazing. Tell them to keep it up. And if they want to come see Rage, have them text me and gave his number. Hell yeah. So I was like, I was like all right, it worked. You got Tom Morello's yeah. cell phone out of the deal. Exactly. So unfortunately, I looked at the dates and there's not really anywhere that it intersects but, uh, until 2023. They, well, they, you know that um, I, I offer guitar tech services. Um, so that's I could true. be you know, a, a member of the, an honorary member of the Resilient if, if you yeah, That's true. You work on Floyd Rose's? Sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Send nice. me those damn tickets. <laughs> well, I got, it's I got a shame, offer, though, because but I go. <laughs> they're, they're doing like a five-night stand at Madison Square Garden, and I won't be really able to get there. Um, <sighs> and Run the Jewels is opening and stuff. But uh, Ooh, I think wow. that uh, in 2023... Oh, show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen any live clips of them right now. No, you I keep mean, bringing I, it up, and I keep meaning to look it up. But I, I have yeah, yeah. At least the first one I saw was great. It was a cell phone video, but you can mm-hmm. tell like they, they, they were just crushing. Anyway, so that's uh, that's a fun little under the hood story. Pretty I, mean, awesome, I hope I haven't man. revealed too much, but uh. you know, Tom Morello is like a, a hero of mine. You know, so and we've met. Yeah. To, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I got I got to to link with him, and but it's always kind of a there's a wow factor because he's Heck just yeah. such a, he's a ton of energy. He's like hyper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but <laughs> watch an interview right. with him. He definitely likes to talk fast. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. He's, he's on uh, it. Yeah. He's on it. He's super sharp. But he likes to party, too. You know, he's, right. he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fun guy. So, um, that's awesome, anywho. man. So maybe there'll be Great a Tales stuff. from the concert, but not till 2023. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by then the COVID protocols will be away and I can uh, actually like high five the 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 whole band and not just. The... <laughs> oh yeah, no. that'd be amazing. Anyway, sweet. <clears throat> yeah, well, dude. All right. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Great Having episode. It up nice and nice and early today, huh? You yeah. know it. You know it. All right. Uh, before you jet off uh, to Cyprus, whoop, there, Greg. Why don't you tell the fine folks how to get in touch with us? Should they choose to do so? Uh, well, they should choose to do so. Uh, I should they? All right. Well, if they, you know, when you choose to do so, <laughs> go to youshouldcheckitout.com. Send us an email at yscio_podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Twitter handle is at shouldcheck. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are heard. Leave us a review, and as always, tell a friend you should check it out. You're you a freaking pro. Check it. Yeah, getting better. Getting better. I've been timing timing. myself. (laughs) Now, midday, man. Midday, we're all sharp. This is great. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. Greg, safe travels out there, buddy. Thanks, dudes. I'm sure. um, Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure there'll be some opportunity. I did hear that there is Wi-Fi at the resort, so all right, uh, we can test it out and uh, pick a time, and uh, we do what we do. That's right. That'll be that'll be the final episode of season three. That you, we'll, you'll be recording from Finale. somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Perfect. Excellent. All right. All right, we'll see you all then. All right. Peace. Take care. Have a good one.